Welcome to Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Howard Teibel. And I'm here with Pete Wright. How are you today, my man? I'm doing very, very well, Howard. I'm excited about our conversation today. Uh, we are going to be talking about the people who provide financial services directly to better the student experience. This is a really key function, and you are going to be talking a lot more about that. Before we dig in, make sure to head over to tybalink.com to learn more about us and this show. You can get subscribe for free. Click the blue button, and we'll keep you updated via email as we post new shows. Remember, scroll down your podcast app for detailed show notes and links that we'll be referring to. This is episode 138, available on the website at tybalink.com slash podcast slash 138. Okay, so this all stems from a presentation you will be delivering at the Nakubo 2016 Student Financial Services Conference, March 13th. In Memphis. Walking in Memphis, baby. I'm excited. Uh, I think it's my first time going there. Are you serious? I thought you've already done a thing in Memphis. I no. probably did. I forgot. It's, what, you know, it's, what do you know? It's, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> the student financial service, is this the first time you've done a, a thing for this particular audience? It is. And it's, what's exciting is, is that I'll have the opportunity, uh, I think near the beginning, to be delivering the, a message or a session uh, with the entire set of attendees. And that's what, what I love about that is knowing that I can deliver something that the majority of people can hear. And I think we've got an important message to share with this group that they all know uh, already, but I think we need to need reminders, basically. So, okay. So first of all, uh, who is this audience and, and why are they so special to the institution? Well, these are, you know, the bursars, the student financial service directors, loan collectors, financial aid administrators. Basically, if you think of the broad functions that that help students get through the financial elements of their work and that help parents through this, that's the collection of group that are going to this conference. So at this conference, Howard, what what is it you're going to focus on? Well, it's really three big ideas that I think we all need to pay attention to. And it's even true for me in my own work. Uh, I can tell you that it's really easy to think that the people we're serving are as excited and engaged and connected as we are to what we're doing. And I've got a powerful example of what it means to step back and to look at what we're doing and saying, all right, we're offering this great product, we're offering this great service. How do we know from the point of view of those we're serving that we're actually meeting that need? And I got a great example for the group to think about then, what does that mean for me in my role as a bursar, as a financial aid director, at any role? How do I know I'm meeting the needs of the people I'm serving? So that's the first thing, uh, uh, I think a really great example. The second one is, a mindset that we need to bring more and more to our campuses. And I think there's a huge spectrum on in, on how people think about this. And I'm going to talk about skepticism and the power of skepticism. Not the power of cynicism, but the power of skepticism. And skepticism to be able to create a better product or service. So much more uh, we're finding that these systems are beginning to catch up. They are getting better at talking to each other, 
but it really demands that we're willing to step back and say, let's really, in many ways, unlearn the way we've been doing it for years so that we can take on ways of collaborating that in some cases use systems so we can do a better job. So I think there's a mindset around bringing good questions to the table, and I think that's healthy skepticism a level of optimism we're going to talk about. And we're going to also talk about what it, create, what it takes to create a movement. And, and I think this is really important. You know, I think there's, there's often a mindset that uh, our directors and vice presidents and presidents have the responsibility to say, this is what we want to do. But I got to tell you, they've got so much focus on other things that may not even be relevant to what you're working on, that they really need more people who are doing the work to raise, here's where we're challenged and here's where we want to go. And I think sometimes we wait for quote unquote leadership to say, we're going to make a change. When in fact, I think there's so much more opportunity for people doing the work to actually make a case for the changes they want to see. I really like the way you're framing that because I've, I've wondered, and since I, I opened with this conversation about how kind of unforgiving or unforgiven the role is, it sounds like what you're saying is that the, the planets are aligning in such a way that really this is a role that could be truly heroic and, and best-in-class uh, operations have the systems and the mindset and the leadership that really create that kind of flourishing environment and not one that, that is you know, kind of steeped in exhaustion. And I, I can tell you that what they're going to be thinking in their seats when I raise this possibility is they're going to be saying, and I'm probably going to raise it with them, that some of the barriers you have are not your peers, but the people you work for. Yes. Right? And that the people you work for are either disconnected, but I'll tell you, that doesn't, it's so easy to blame somebody outside of uh, what we're responsible for, for why things aren't moving. And what I'm also going to say that it may be the case that you don't have their attention, but I got to tell you, the only, it's incumbent upon you to get their attention. And that sometimes uh, the people that we report up to don't buy into a change that may cost money, not because of the money, but because we haven't made a good enough case. And this is something that we often find ourselves falling back on when we, we can't get leadership to buy in, whether it's somebody working in the staff level for a manager and they want to see a change or a manager reporting to a director and the managers are frustrated because the director is not uh, jumping on the opportunity or the director not getting the the vice presidents to focus on what they want. There's this tendency to think the problem is, is that the person that I'm reporting to or this group of leaders don't want to see the change. That's not true. You haven't made a good enough case. And that's a hard one because that means you got to step back into what you're doing and saying, all right, have I really told the why? We're going to talk about this too. If you're going to make a movement, you got to be really clear about why we're doing it and paint a picture of what the vision looks like. And what I'm hoping is people take it upon themselves out of this to say, you know what, I need to pay a, play a bigger role in defining what success, success looks like versus waiting for somebody to tell me. And, and that to me is the power that I want to see unleashed among people who are in the trenches doing the work. 
Okay, so your presentation is called Managing Up and Across, and this gives us a, a, a great idea of the up and down relationships that we're talking about, right? The leadership, the direct managers and supervisors. Talk to me about the across relationships yeah. that you're encouraging here. Well, it's interesting because I, I, I've also framed this in the past as managing up and down, and it really is managing up, across, and down. Now, the issue about down is there's there's a presumption in this concept of managing is that these are people that, that you report to, and managing down is pe- are people that report to you. In some cases, uh, people attending the conference don't necessarily have quote-unquote direct reports. Managing across is really about influence. How do we get our peers? So if you think about the bursar's office and the financial aid office and the other offices responsible for student services, if they're going to create a genuine one-stop shopping or an experience that you know people feel like this is transformed, you know th- this this is my experience as a quote-unquote customer is fantastic. There, that story is rarely told around this because it's complex and it happens in waves. It's like a restaurant, right? Where all of a sudden there is this wave and they get slammed. Right. So mm-hmm. how do they work together? And the managing across is really about engaging your peers to be able to say, how are we together going to make this work? Nobody's telling us necessarily that we have to, you know, how we're going to collaborate to create a better solution. So maybe we should take it upon ourselves to start that conversation. Now, in some cases, it is absolutely the case that the directors uh, of of these areas or even vice presidents are saying, we need to transform the student, student experience in this area. But in the absence of that, I think it's really important at any role to say, how do I get my peers to work with me and me work with them to figure out some creative solutions that provide better services to the students we're serving and families. The the relationship, for example, between financial aid and uh, enrollment management, right? How do you how what does the handoff look like? That's uh, right to make and, those and, connections. And you know, typically you'd get the you know if if there are vice presidents in those two roles, you'd get the people discussing that behind closed doors, and sometimes that doesn't make its way into the organization. So this is not, I'm not saying to step so far ahead of the people you report up to that they don't know what you're doing. As a matter of fact, there's power in saying, I'm going to take this on, and before I take it on, I'm going to go to the person I report to and say, listen, I'm looking to do this. Here's why I think we should be doing it. I'd like to be part in in making that happen, what do you think? And then you get buy-in from the people that are sort of quote-unquote overseeing all this work, and you run with the ball. So this is one message. I It's really an empowerment message, right? To give yourself more permission to be part of the problem, but also part of the solution. I love it. It is a conversation that is uh, both sort of empowering and aspirational. And I think that's, uh, you know, this conversation around customer service and what good customer service is, uh, that, that seems to be where we're going here. And how do, how do we better serve our students so that we can make their job, which is to get a great education on our campus, that much easier? 
I can't believe you said the word customer and you're a faculty member at a school, Pete. I know. Does that, you are, does well, that make me you know, a traitor? Me, well, the other faculty members, you know, it's like you can't say customer. No, but, you know, I, th- I look at that as a cu- at my role as a customer service role, right? I mean, if I'm, yeah. if I'm doing my job, then the students are able to take what they learn from me easily, effectively, and efficiently and apply it in their, in their work back, you know? You know and, it, it's funny. I'm, I'm. I'm pointing to something, and we can joke about it, but i got to tell you, there, and I'm sure you know this, that uh, you know, I have been told anything from, after using the word customer, seeing a reaction, to being told before I even came in to lead a program, do not use the word customer. Uh, and, and I was warned how it would be heard. And most recently, I was leading an event with a group of deans, and I intentionally said, I'm going to say a word that is going to get some of you to recoil. So you ready? Customer, right? And I, and I, and I raised it, and they smiled, and they they realized that in some ways they get hooked by the word because students are not customers, and many faculty have that principled view. And I get why they had that principled view. I think what they don't realize is the the concept behind it is just language that people who work on an administrative side use to describe that what it means to provide service mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and the word customer is their way of framing it and i think we have to do a better job of not getting hooked by words in thinking that we're going to devolve these into products you know that the student is a product as opposed to the student is is something that we're nurturing i think there's a place for this concept of service and the, I'm going to talk about even this, this idea of customer service on your campus. Can you use the word? And I bet you when I say, how many of you find yourself not using the word customer service because you'll get a negative reaction? I am sure there's going to be hands raised. So it's going to be fun. Uh, i got some great videos to show, and I'm really excited about being with this group. It is a great group. The Peabody Memphis Hotel. Nice digs, too. Uh, this is the 2016 Student Financial Services Conference, March 13th through 15th. You are speaking on day one, sir. March 13th. Day one. Kicking it's going to be it fun. We have, there's some great... I, I'm so appreciative of Nakubo giving me this opportunity. I love working with that group. We're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be great. So uh, head over. You can register at nakubo.org. We have the link in the show notes. If you are a part of this group and have not heard of this conference, you need to head over there and take a look at it uh, because Howard would love to see you there. There's no two ways about it. Thank you, uh, Howard Tybel, for your time this morning. It's been good catching up with you. Same here, Pete. On behalf of Howard Teibel, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change, the podcast from Teibel, Inc.